so today I want to talk to you on the gateway to spiritual power. The gateway to spiritual power. Take your Bibles out. Matthew chapter 17 is where we're going. Matthew 17. And I want you to stand with me at all locations as we read the Word of God. And we're going to discuss this idea on the gateway to spiritual power. And I'm going to add a verse that is not in your Bible. And I know that sounds heretical, but it's in older Bibles but it's not in the new modern translations. And it really bothers me for that, uh, uh, in, that, in that sense. And I'm gonna tell you why it's not there. Um, verse 14 of Matthew 17, it says, and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is an epileptic and he suffers terribly for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. I brought him to your church, Jesus, and they could not heal him. It's amazing to me, this guy expected the church to do something that the church was unable to do. I wonder today in the country that we live in, how many people don't go to church because the church isn't doing anything that they needed to do. Ooh, that's for, that, you can just say, out your amen. It's either one, it's fine, okay? He says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith, some older translations say, because of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, if you have a Bible, open a paper Bible, and probably the electronic Bible, but most likely just a paper Bible, has a little number over the letter, over the word you. Anybody got that? Paper Bible, yeah? Let me tell you what that's showing. You just go, to, go down to the footnotes there, and you'll read. It says, some manuscripts insert verse 21, because you'll see it goes from verse 20 to verse 22. These are older manuscripts. Uh, these are script, uh, probably the lesser manuscripts that we have collected in our collections uh, throughout the museums of the world. But they have a verse that's added there, and the verse says this. But this kind, this kind of demon, comes out only by prayer and fasting. This kind of demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in this moment. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts at every location be pleasing in your sight. And Father, we pray that our hearts will be drawn toward you. And may we see Jesus in his mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. I want to talk to you about one of the best ways to experience supernatural faith in your life. One of the best ways to experience supernatural faith in your life. How many of you at all locations could just say honestly, I wish I had more faith? Come on, somebody. Be honest today, this morning. My hand is up. I want more faith. I want to experience more of what God has for me. And I want you to understand that you've got a spiritual enemy that wants you to experience none of what God wants for you. The enemy wants to devour you. He wants to steal from you. The enemy is real, by the way. Uh, we live in a culture that denies the presence of the demonic, and I'm always amazed. When you turn on the television, what do you see? When you watch the news, what do you see? 
When you see the corruption in Washington, D.C., what are you seeing? This is not just human beings. This is not just biological happenstance from a cosmic accident billions of years ago. There's a real enemy. There's a real spiritual force of wickedness in the heavenly places, and he's trying to manipulate this culture, trying to manipulate this nation, trying to destroy the freedoms that we have, trying to destroy our young people, trying to devour our young people with confusion about their gender, confusion about sex, confusion about what makes a family, and we're seeing higher suicide rates and higher depression depression rates and higher emptiness in more people than ever before in this country's history. And I don't know if I've ever gotten to a place in my life where I'm more passionate about the church rising up and providing hope for a country than I am right now. We're the hope, we're the salt, we're the light of the world. If we don't get our act together, this country goes to hell because the answer is not in Washington, D.C. And the answer is not in Tallahassee or Boston or Providence. The answer is in the throne room of heaven and his name is Jesus and we're his representatives on this earth. We are ambassadors for God. That we would see this country change. People, neighbors by, by you, touched by you. Lives changed. Some of you are praying for your children to get saved. You need spiritual power. This is a war you're in. I, I don't know if you're ready for it. I, I, I might be coming on too strong too early in this, in this service, but I, I feel a burden in my heart today to tell some of you it's time to wake up. You're in a spiritual battle for your life. And you can't take it lightly. And you can't be on the fence about this stuff. You've got to fight with a fight of faith. Paul got to the end of his life. He said, I fought the good fight. Spiritual life, the, the, the Christian life is not some kind of casual social environment that we come to once a week. It's a lifelong day by day, morning to evening fight for our souls. And most importantly, the souls of our young people. Unfortunately, in our country, the church looks just like the world. The church looks just like our secular counterparts. That's un unacceptable. And in this passage, we see the disciples weak. They, they can't do what they were anointed and appointed to do, cast out a demon. And I think the reason why is because they got comfortable in their spirituality. And I, and I want to encourage you with my first line here, my first fill in the blanks. It's not encouraging. That's why I say it, but I'm going to put it up there anyway. Write this down. Follow your stomach, sink your future. I want to encourage you with those words. Amen, somebody. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. But it's not a, the point's not a joke. Follow your stomach. I, I, some of you uh, have got to realize that your stomach uh, is in charge of your life right now. And I'm not just talking about your physical stomach, I'm talking about your spiritual stomach. I'm talking about your mind. You're feeding your mind all kinds of junk and you wonder why uh, things aren't working out for you. Some of you young people, you feed your mind endless TikTok videos. Uh, young people on TikTok, don't you realize that they have angled the algorithm to suck you in and hold you captive? And I'm, a, I, I'm all for a funny cat video. Hey, they're fun to watch. But after a while, you know, face somebody in real life, amen. Have a real conversation, put the phone down. You're depressed, you're anxious, you're worried, you're nervous, you got all these issues going on, you, 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 but you're doing it to yourself. You're following your, 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 your mental stomach and your mental stomach. Sometimes your mental stomach can be worse than your physical stomach. But let me talk about the physical stomach. Some of you got to realize that your health problems right now, it's the gut. 
It's going through this stuff. It's going through this thing. You don't even realize it. You go to the doctor for a pill, and the answer is not the doctor and the pill. The answer is, what are you putting in? What are you letting be in charge of your life? Follow your stomach, sink your future. Jesus talked about spiritual hunger in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For what? Righteous. Oh, you got to say it a little bit louder than that, Apollo Beach. For what? Righteousness. In other words, you got to love what God loves. You got to love godly living. And if you love godly and you hunger for that, guess what? God's going to give it to you. You're going to be satisfied. What's godly living? Godly living is knowing that you've got a God who's going to provide for you. You've got a God who's going to protect you. You've got a God who's going to guide you. You've got a God who's going to direct you. You've got a God who's not going to let you fail. You've got a God who can turn your failures into a future. You've got a God who can turn your mess into a message and your test into a testimony. You've got a God who is with you no matter what you're going through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is, I don't know. I'm just telling you over here, it seems a little bit more excited for the service than over here. I'm just letting you know, but I, I don't care about your response today. I really don't. I encourage that, but, but, but we're going to have a conversation about something that we desperately need to do. We need to fast and pray. But David said in Psalm 42, he said, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you. Could we get to a place, I wonder, who today God is going to stir up your heart and you're going to get to that place where you love God more than you love water and, or love God more than you love a 16-ounce T-bone steak, amen. I mean, I love a 16-ounce T-bone steak. Anybody with me? On the eighth day, God created T-bone steaks. Amen, somebody. But I want to love God and his presence more than a T-bone steak. Look what David says. When can I come and meet God? When? I'm dying here. I need God to show up. Friends, you don't need therapy. You don't need medication. You need to meet with your maker. You need to meet with your savior. You need to meet with the one who designed you and programmed you, who died for you, who loves you, and who wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I want to let you know Jesus totally expected us to fast and pray. There's, a, there's three things that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6 that, is, that should be part of every believer's private spiritual life. Every believer should do three things. And it's, and it's not much. It's, it's three simple things. Are you ready for them? Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verse 2, he says, Thus when you give to the needy. So every believer should have a spiritual practice of giving. And listen, your giving should be private. Now, this is not talking about tithe. Tithe comes to the house of God. But this is about giving to poor people, giving to people who are in need. You see a neighbor in need. You meet that need. You bless people in Jesus' name. We give to Compassion International. Our church gives 10% of what you bring in. 10% goes out of our church to missionary works, to uh, homeless works, to rescuing uh, un uh, 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 women with unexpected pregnancies um, around the world. Your money goes around the world. It goes all the way to India. It goes down to Guatemala, El Salvador. It goes uh, to Peru with Jeff Markowski. It goes everywhere. And that's because what we do as a church is we do what Jesus told us to do. We've got to give. Amen, somebody. You want God to bless you? You want to be strong in the Lord? Give. Number two, we've got to pray. That's Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray. Notice that Jesus says when you pray. Not if. When you pray. 
So he's expecting us to pray. And then he says, don't be like the hypocrites. And what the hypocrites did was they would have their long flowing robes and their collars and their hats and they would pray and they would put a big, big show. They put a big show on to be religious. Jesus says, don't do that. You go into your prayer closet and you pray to your father who's in secret. You pray when nobody's watching you. And then Jesus says, and your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. Amen. By the way, he also said he's gonna reward you if you give. So I'm giving you three quick ways to see God's rewards come into your life. I don't know about you, but I want God's rewards in my life. Number one, give to the poor. Number two, pray. Number three, fast. Matthew 6, 16, he says, and when you fast. Now, if you got your notes out, please circle the word when. Because again, he doesn't say, and if you feel like. And if it just so happens that you get around to. <laughs> no, it, when. I'm expecting my people to fast. We already talked about a verse of scripture. Jesus talked about new wine into new wineskins. And they said, why don't you fast? Remember, John the, John the uh, Baptist disciples and the Pharisees come and say, why don't you fast? He says, listen, the bridegroom is here. I'm here. It's not time to fast. It's time to party. It's time to celebrate. But I'm going to be taken away. I'm going to the cross. Then I'm going to heaven. And so when that happens, Jesus says, then they will fast. In other words, while I'm in heaven... I'm expecting my people to fast. And I am thoroughly convinced that the reason why we see so many dead churches, so many dead Christians, so many spiritless Christians is because they are filled with the world and they're not hungry for God. And if we're gonna get hungry for God, we need to get rid of the world. And one of the best ways to get hungry for God is to stop eating. Now I'm gonna give you a warning, all right? And I know, Norwood, you had no heads up about this, but I'm going to talk to you guys anyway. As soon as you start to fast with us, your flesh is going to rear its ugly head. Oh, I'm telling you, you if you start this fast with us, if you do this program with us, let me just give you a heads up. Uh, by Monday, tomorrow, by this time, you will be cursing me. You will be cursing yourself. You will be cursing life. You might be, but if you set your heart to do this, can I tell you, uh, if you climb up the wall of that first day of fasting, I'm telling you, Tuesday gets easier. And then by the time we get here Wednesday, you're going to feel like you don't even ever need to eat again. I'm telling you, it happens like that. And what you're doing is you're starting to tell your body, here's what you're doing. You're telling your body, you're not in charge. My father is in charge of my body. Amen, somebody. The early church fasted corporately, and we know they fast. Now, some of you say, oh, you know, you're not supposed to tell people when you fast. Well, the Bible records several points where God's people fasted. So the Bible wants us to know that God's people fasted at certain times. And one of the times is in Acts chapter two, 13. It says in chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, 13, uh, 13, verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord, and what? And this is the church. This is the early church. We're just 13 chapters into the church's life. It says, the Holy Spirit said. I like that passage because the Holy Spirit starts to speak to the church when the church fasts. Isn't that cool? I want to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Anybody with me on that? It says, the Holy Spirit said, and then what does it say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Now we know him as Paul, Paul the Apostle. Set them apart for the work to which I've called them. Now, from that moment in Acts chapter 13, do you know that the whole narrative of the book shifts from the 12 who walked with Jesus to the apostle Paul? 
And he goes on missionary journeys around the known world, three successive missionary journeys. He plants churches throughout the whole Roman Empire in major metropolitan cities. He does exactly what Waters Church is trying to do right now, plant churches everywhere so that the gospel can go into these communities. And, And then he is not just used to bring the gospel to the nations, he writes letters to these churches to follow up with them And those letters get collected in our Bible. And one third of the New Testament is written by Paul the Apostle. Do you ever think about the fact that he got his start, this mighty man of God who literally touches our lives still to this day? Heaven's sakes, even non-believers have Paul the Apostle's words read in their wedding services. That's an impact I'd like to have. Anybody with me on that? And the reason why his ministry started was because the church fasted and prayed. My question to you is, what could God start in you? What ministry could he give you? What gifting could he release in your life as you fast and pray? I want you to write this down. Fasting and prayer can change people, churches, and nations. Fasting and prayer can change people. Any people in the house, if you're a people, say amen. Amen. Churches, any churches in the house, say amen. (laughs) And nations, we're a part of a nation that if we're not careful, we're going to lose very soon. It's going down the tubes. You can see it as clear as day. It's unbelievable what's happened. I've never, I never imagined that this nation would get to this. We used to be a city on a hill. Now we're, now we're a lamp hidden under a bushel. That's what we are right now. We need to come out of our bushel. We need to come out of our covering and shine for Jesus one more time. Amen, somebody. Matthew chapter 17, what does it say? It says that he came to the crowd in verse 14. It says he came to the crowd. Now, what what just happened? Jesus had just gone up to the mountain and transfigured before Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says that his clothes radiated and he radiated through his clothes and he became whiter than snow. I mean, he was shining gloriously. Peter and James and John are blown away. And they said, we got to stay here. And, uh, and then Elijah and Moses show up. And there's this glorious revelation of God's glory on that mountain. And Peter, you know, he, he said, let's build some booths. Let's build some tents. Let's stay here. I want to stay in the presence of the glory of God. But God has a mission for us. We can't just stay up on the mountain. we got to come down and serve the people in the valley. Amen. In fact, Sunday morning is a mountaintop experience. In some ways, it's a mountaintop experience. But you don't come to church just for you. You come to church for the people that you're going to touch beyond this Sunday morning experience. I hope you come to church saying, God, change my life so that my neighbor can know you. God, change my heart so that my coworker can know you. God, change my heart so that my employees or my employer, they can know you. I want to be an influence where I go. But to be an influence, I got to have an experience with Jesus. So they come down the mountain. And it says this man came running up to him. And he's desperate because he's kneeling kneels before Jesus and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son. This guy's a parent. He's a father. Fathers care about their sons. Fathers, man, fathers and sons, that bond, if that bond gets broken, how many know the chances of that boy going to prison rise exponentially? Fathers and sons are so important. What's wrong with our country right now? Fatherlessness. Fathers who will not plead for their sons in Jesus' name. And I'm not just talking about sons. When I say sons, I'm talking about children. I got three precious children. I got two boys and one beautiful girl. This week was tough for me. Both my oldest daughter and my oldest son went off to college. Do you know how, how often I prayed that this would happen? 
For years, I prayed, God, get them out of my house. Now they're out, I'm like, God, bring them back. I can't believe I've turned into that kind of parent. God, have mercy on me. But I love them, I love my children. Parents, you love your children. Some of you are weeping at night because your child is far from God. Your child doesn't know the Lord. And you can give your son football, and you can give your son uh, uh, soccer, and you can give your son piano lessons, and all these, and your daughter, you can give her dance and ballet, or let me not be misogynistic, football lessons and basketball. Should they can all do all whatever they want to do. But you can give them the world, American parents, but if you forsake their soul, you've lost them forever. We've got to be about our children's souls. This man is broken. His son is what? What does it say? He has seizures. The version I read said epilepsy. He suffers terribly. For, when he, for, for often, and, and another translation says this, the demon, Mark's gospel says this, the demon causes him to be tossed into the fire and into the water. What did the demon want to do to this boy? Kill him. What do the demons want to do to our young people today? Kill him. Same, same program, different generation. What, what, what's going on in our public school system? What's going on in our university system? What, what is all of this nonsense? What is the sterilization? They're handing puberty blockers to kids because they don't feel like a boy or feel like a girl. What is that stuff? That is straight from the pit of hell. It is absolutely nothing to be proud about. It's something for the church to weep over, to pray to God, change them, Lord. Change us, help us, protect. If you're not gonna change them, God, protect our families. Amen, somebody. We gotta fight for our children like never before. America reached another pinnacle, another record in America was broken. I wish I could tell you it was a good record, but it seems like we're only interested in, be in breaking bad demonic records now. We had the all time highest level of suicide in our country last year. What was going on? What was happening? The devil is having a heyday. And the reason why is because the church is asleep at the switch. Just like the, just like the disciples here. They're asleep. This boy is being tossed into the fire. He's being tossed in the water. And the disciples don't know what. They're trying, they're, they're trying to cast a demon out. And they can't do it. They're weak. And the funny thing is, and we'll talk about it. They had been given authority by Jesus to cast out the demon. But they couldn't cast this one out. And so I got a couple points here for you. And then I got three points after the third point. So don't get excited when I'm on number, point, number three. Um, point number one, spiritual weakness is natural. Some of you are like, man, I feel bad already in this message. You know, I, I, don't, I don't fight in prayer for my family. I don't fight in prayer for my children. Okay, that's natural. Can I just tell you that if you're not fasting and praying and giving, you're just being a normal person. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's not what God's called you to do. Amen, somebody. I don't want to be normal. I turn on the television. I, I look at what's happening in my country. I see normal. I don't want any part of that. Amen. I, want to, I don't want to be natural. I want to be supernatural. And by the way, when you become a Christian, you become supernatural. The only question is, will you feed it? Because you are what you eat. What are you eating? Uh, most of the stuff that they give you at McDonald's is not food anymore. Ah, I forgot to bring myself a bag of Doritos. I was going to bring a bag of Doritos up and read you off the ingredients. And I love those things, but that's poison. And, and men, I wonder about our mental illness um, epidemic in this country right now and how much of it's coming from the 
the garbage that we go and buy in bulk and then we shove in our mouth. Oh, I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I'm trying to heal you. I am. You got to watch what you put in. You are what you eat. I want to eat the presence of God so that I can walk out of this room. I can walk into my country. I can walk into my community and I can bring God with me. When people see me, they'll say, what is it about you? And it's because of Jesus in me. I've got a, I've got a new diet. It's a heavenly diet that's made me a new man. Spiritual weakness is natural. He says, I brought them to you. I brought my boy to your disciples and I brought my boy to the church and nothing happened. And the ironic thing is we're all born weak, aren't we? You know, I always like to do this. You have to, you have to parallel the spiritual life with the physical life. When you were born, you might not even realize this or think about this much, but you were born weak. When you were born, you came out, you couldn't even lift your arms. You were flailing like, you were just like a little piece of jelly. You're like a jellyfish. Amen? Remember that? Does anybody remember? <laughs> Nobody remembers. But if you've had children, you see it, yeah? They can't even lift their head. How many remember? You, when, you, when you hand your newborn off, you got to know, do you know how to do this? Because this kid can't do nothing right now. You know what I'm talking about? And you got to hold the head. And, but eventually, you get stronger. Amen? You, you, everybody's got their head up in, in all of our locations right now. Good for you. I'm impressed. Do you know what that means? You got stronger. How'd you get stronger? You ate physical food. That's all. That's all you did. You ate physical food. There's a natural process that God has programmed into your body. You ingest food and your muscles get stronger. A baby doesn't go to head exercise lessons, does he? He doesn't go to the gym and say, okay, I'm going to try to get this. He doesn't do that. It just naturally gets stronger as he eats, whether it be his mother's milk or formula or whatever, right? Okay, this is a lesson in the spiritual. If you're a new Christian, God expects you to be spiritually weak. And that's okay. Don't stay there. It's okay to be a spiritual floppy little jellyfish when you first come to Jesus. Oh, okay, I guess I'll come to church. Okay, well, I'm still going to this place and I'm doing that bad and I'm still getting drunk on the weekend. But then I'm at church and I'm at church on Sunday. But you know, then I'm going out with this unbeliever and they don't love Jesus, but it's okay. You know, but then I come back to church and that's you. You're a floppy jellyfish when you first get saved. But at some point, you get stronger and you stop flopping everywhere. And you're not a pushover, you know, a little even a toddler, two, three years old. Toddlers are amazing; they're beautiful, but you can tip them over pretty quickly, pretty easily. Anybody know what I'm talking? Just a little shove. Just a little, not that I do it. I'm not practicing this, and I don't encourage it. But I'm just telling you that you can tip a toddler over with just a tiny little shove. Try to tip Pastor Tom Duck over over here. He's an Army Ranger. You'll see what's coming from that. I'm telling you, you got to get stronger spiritually just like you got stronger physically. Or listen to me, you'll be no good to anybody. Imagine if your mom had to still be here in church this morning holding up your head. Oh, there you go. Listen to the preacher, honey. Listen to the preacher. Imagine. Imagine. If somebody still had to carry you into church with your big overweight self, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, serious. You're meant to get stronger. I'm meant to get stronger. And Jesus wanted his disciples to be strong in the spiritual realm. Matthew 10, verse 1, it says he called them and he gave them authority over what? Unclean spirits. 
to cast out every disease, every affliction, heal the sick. Uh, verse eight, it says, heals the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out, the, you received, now give. Now, there is, there is a damnable doctrine in the church. And some of you come from churches like this, that that stuff ended with the apostles. <laughs> I can't think of a more pleasant doctrine that the devil has institu instituted into most churches. The devil must be dancing for joy when he hears preachers get up and say, now we can't expect miracles because that was just for the apostles. Are you kidding me? Pop quiz every location. How many apostles were there? Oh, dear Lord. Okay, uh, 12. <laughs> Help us, Lord. We need to fast. Okay, there were 12 because it says right there in verse one of chapter 10 in Matthew, right there is it 12, okay? Woo. We're in Florida. You guys are sunstroked. Okay, anyway. Do you know that Jesus gave power over demons to more than the 12? Let me show you here in verse 10, uh, Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72. 72. Uh, 72 minus 12 is? 60. You're good at math? Not so much the Bible. Okay. 60. 60 other people are appointed, and he, said, and, he, and he sent them ahead of them two by two into every town and place he was about to go. And then verse 17, look what it says. They came back, the 72 returned with joy, saying what? Even the demons are subject to us in your name. My friend, Jesus absolutely intended for you to have authority over every unclean spirit in this world. And he, and he expects you to cast it out of your home, out of your family, out of your children, heck, maybe even out of your spouse. I don't know who's gonna do demon battle today, but you gotta do fighting in the spiritual realm because you'll be no good to anybody without it. Amen. We're gonna fight demons in this, in this community, in all of our communities, at every location. There are demons in Norwood, North Attleboro. There are demons over the Fall River area, Woonsocket area. There are demons... Oh, I can tell you about Guatemala, serious demons down there. I mean, we've been blessed as a country to have the gospel preached freely for 200 plus years, but that's dissipating and the demons are coming back. I'm reading a book by Jonathan Kahn. You should read that book called Return of the Gods. Man, that'll wake you up. All this stuff that you're hearing about, all this stuff coming into our kids right now, this is not new, it's old as ancient times. And because this country has jettisoned the gospel and prayer and the Bible from its public schools, the demons have come right back in. That's what's happening right now. Jesus gives them a little bit of a chastisement when the disciples can't cast out this demon. Did anybody see this verse? This verse troubled me this week. Look at it, verse 17, it says, and Jesus answered, oh, faithless generation. The guy said, look, I brought my son I brought my son to your, to your, to your disciples. I couldn't cast him out. And, and you think Jesus would say, come on, guys, you can do it. You know, that's what I would want Jesus to do when I'm, when I'm not as strong as I should be. Come on, man, you're all right. Some of you, that's how you see Jesus. He's like the cool surfer dude from California. Come on, dude, hang 10. Like, that's not, that's not who Jesus is. Look what he says. Oh, faithless and twisted generation. Now, that sounds tough, but what is it? Has anybody had a coach? Has anybody had a coach? You went to, you know, swimming, basketball, soccer? Anybody have one of those coaches that was just like, come on, catch the ball. Come on, don't be a sissy. Now these, now these guys are outlawed now because you know, everybody's gotta be super sweet and kind. But I appreciated those guys. They, got, they, they expected you to do better. 
I think that we gotta expect God's people to do better. Jesus is like, come on, how long am I gonna have to be with? How long am I gonna have to bear with? Bring the boy to me. Like Jesus is like, you guys gotta see this again? You should be at this level already. And they weren't at that level. But I love the fact that Jesus isn't satisfied with his people being where they are. And don't be, don't be misled for a moment this morning. Jesus is not satisfied with where you are spiritually. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to give up this life and chase the next life. He wants you to let go of that sin, let go of that habit, and pursue righteousness until he comes comes again. Absolutely. If you're spiritually weak, it's natural. Don't feel bad. Just don't stay there. God wants great things from you and for you. Point number two, spiritual power is necessary. If we're going to walk in the power of God, we're going to have to learn how it comes to us. But let me just take a look at how this passage unfolds. We need spiritual power. Verse 18, it says this, and Jesus rebuked the what? Circle demon in your notes. I know that might feel odd, but circle it because I'm gonna make a point. And it came out of him. Now look at this next line, everybody. And the boy was healed, circle healed. I had never seen this before until this week. The sickness was demonic. Now I'm treading on ground with some of you because you don't think this is true. And you're more than welcome to not believe that, but I believe it is true. Sickness doesn't come from God. God doesn't give people sickness. He uses the devil. He'll allow the devil to bring sickness into people. We know that he did that to Paul, I mean Saul, Saul, the first king of Israel. We know that, that he has given troubling spirits to people because they won't respond to him. That's, that's true. But it doesn't come from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. That's James chapter one. God does not give you sickness. When you get sick, you don't say, why is God doing it? It's not God. The devil is the author of destruction. He's the author of confusion. He's the author of depression. He's the author of sadness and sickness. And, and some of you, now, please listen to me clearly. Not every sickness is demonic, but many are. Many people are sick in their, in their body because they're sick in their spirit. Side note, why don't you write this down? Healing is spiritual as well as physical. Some of you got conditions, and um, sometimes that condition is because you eat the wrong stuff. Sometimes that condition is because you consume the wrong stuff. What do you mean? That sounds like the same thing. No, no, no. What I'm talking about consuming is what do you watch? What do you listen to? Who do you talk to? Who's got your attention? Who, what's got your mind? What's, got, what's captivating your thoughts? How many know you don't have to watch Hollywood movies to get jacked up in your spirit? You've you got enough coming from within, amen? Jesus said, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts. I got my own evil thoughts. I mean, Hollywood will help those evil thoughts get worse, but I got my own. I need to rebuke those evil thoughts. The Bible says we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And some of our spiritual, some of our physical illnesses are really spiritual illness that, because we have, we've sat on the sidelines spiritually and we need to step up and fight. And I'm telling you, fasting and prayer will do this. Uh, we gotta skip ahead or I'll never get done. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 17, it says, the disciples came to Jesus and said privately, why couldn't we cast it out? And here's point number three. Um, spiritual power is available for free. 
The, the good news is what I'm offering you, you don't have to pay for. I am not Tony Robbins. You did not pay money to get in here to hear me speak. God wants to freely offer you what he gives you. He wants to freely give it to you. The question is, do you want it? And here's what it says. He said to them, because of your little faith, because of your little faith, because of your what? Somebody say little loudly. Little, yeah, yeah. Because of your little faith. Okay, letter A in your nose. Listen, Jesus acknowledges that faith can be stronger. Faith can be stronger. And um, the word little faith is one word in Greek. It is oligopistio, two words, oligo, which means few in number, and pistio, which means faith. And what he's saying is, look, uh, you've got, you, you don't have enough faith. You, you, you don't have enough belief in me and in God to have this battle won in your life. And some of you, that's where you are. You're dealing with the same addiction, the same problem for the last 30 years. And you're wondering, why is this not being broken in my life? Doesn't God deliver? Yes, he does. But your faith needs to get stronger. And, and so let her be in your nose. Jesus makes it clear, though, small faith is enough. Here's the good news, just so you know. You don't need, you don't need watermelon-sized faith. What does he say? Mustard seed. Now, mustard seed, Mark will tell us, in the Bible's times was the smallest seed of all the plants and in, in ancient Israel. Now, that's not the smallest seed in the world, but in Jesus' context, it was the smallest seed. And he says, if you just have that much, look at verse 20, if you just have enough, if you just have faith this much, you can say to this mountain, be uprooted, cast into the sea, and nothing, oh, I like that, nothing will be impossible for you. Waters Church, it's not impossible for us to plant a church in South Carolina. Can I get a good amen? amen. It's not impossible for us to plant a church in Tennessee. Can I get a good amen? amen? It's not impossible for us to own land in Florida, own land in Woonsocket, and start a, 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 a school in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Can somebody say amen? amen? This stuff's not impossible. Why? Because all we need is mustard seed faith. But some of you are smaller than a mustard seed. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you got to get a little bit bigger, man. You're, you're, you're little. You're too small. You got faith enough to come to church. Wow, good for you. Even the devil comes to church. Let's get stronger. You got faith enough to do what? To throw a couple of bucks into the offering plate? That's not, that's not tithing. That's a tip. Jesus is not a waiter. He's God eternal. He'll take care of every need that you have. You got to trust him. You gotta put him first. You gotta put him first in your time, in your treasure, in your resources, in your talent. God, this body does not belong to me. You gave me this body. The Bible says, honor, your, honor God with your body. Some of you young people gotta honor God with your body. Before he asks you out, young ladies, honor God with your body. Before he tells you he loves you just so he can sleep with you, have a standard now that you're not going to give your body to some guy who's just, you know, good looking on the outside, but on the inside, he's filled with dead men's bones. You got to have some respect for who you are physically. This body is the temple of the Most High God. The Holy Spirit dwells in this body. I'm not going to treat it like a like a circus act. I'm not going to treat it like a carnival ride. This is sacred. 
This space is saying, you know, our buildings, they're not really sacred. You're sacred. You and your body is sacred to God. Treat it right. How did I get on that? <laughs> and where am I going? That's more important. Okay. Mustard seed faith. Yes, thank you, sister. Okay, amen. Jesus acknowledged people who had greater faith in Matthew's gospel several times. Matthew 15, 28. It says, Jesus answered, oh, woman, great is your faith. What do the disciples have? Little faith. What does this woman, and by the way, she was a Gentile. She was a foreigner. And he says, woman, great is, great is your faith. Sometimes great faith belongs, is, is, is resident in people who are not in the inside religious crowd. Matthew chapter eight, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, this is a centurion. He marveled and said to, the, to those who followed him, truly I say to you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. That was the Roman centurion. Some of you are far from the religious, you know, culture of this country. And I gotta let you know, that's okay. God can give you great faith. Someone needs to hear this today. You don't need to have a lineage of Christianity in your background, and you don't need to be in the church 40 years for God to give you great faith. You can sit in church for 40 years and still be a dead Christian. It's the choice is yours. What are you going to do with your body? Feed it, God, and rob it of this world. That's what you got to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 15, Paul says our hope, and this should say Corinthians, it says Chorinthians, but it's not a chore to read Corinthians, okay? He says our hope is that your faith, what? Increases. Your faith can grow. There is a horrible, horrible uh, teaching that is going around the church, and some of you have heard this. I can't believe the pastors get up there and say this with, with, with bold faces. They say, it's not about the size of your faith, it's about the size of your God. That's not true. No, because Jesus has just acknowledged that the disciples had small faith, too small a faith, the woman, the serial Phoenician woman had great faith. The Roman centurion had faith he hadn't seen in all Israel. And Paul prays that the Corinthians' faith would increase. My friends, we want our faith to increase as our God wants it to increase. So the question is how? That brings me to letter C. Fasting develops great faith and brings great reward. Fasting, yeah, fasting. Robbing your body, saying no. Saying no to the little emperor, the little dictator right here in your chest. He's a dictator. He might be talking to you right now, isn't he? He's talking to you right now. He's saying, don't listen to this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Have yourself some Doritos. Eat all you want. They're good for you. He's a liar. You need to tell him right now, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> oh, okay. So what does he say? Uh, this is the verse that's missing in your Bible. And the reason why is missing in your Bible, is not some kind of conspiracy. It's because we have a collection of manuscripts of the New Testament, the original manuscripts, well, not the originals, but the copies of the originals from about 100 AD onward of the Bible. And this verse does not appear in the majority of those manuscripts. That's what that means. So it might be 49% of the manuscripts, it might be 30, I don't know. But some manuscripts have this verse. That's all, that's all that verse means. That's all that, that notation means. Verse 21 in the New King James. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Okay, 
Let me, let me end this message by giving you some extra motivation to fast. Write this down. Every great character in the Bible fasted. Every great character in the Bible fasted. Name me somebody here in Apollo Beach. Shout out a great character in the Bible. Esther, fasted. David, fasted. Moses, fasted. Daniel, fasted twice. Elijah, fasted on the way to Horeb. Huh? He did not fast, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in. <laughs> he just said Adam. He just said Adam. Adam ate, and we've got, the, we've got the mess that we're in. Eve and Adam, yeah, I get it. Equal, uh, equal offending. Let me stay on the point here, friends. <laughs> Hannah was childless, and she fasted and prayed, and God gave her a child. Uh, Ezra fasted for spiritual renewal in the nation. When they came back out of exile, they, they, quickly, they quickly fornicated with each other and started sexual morality and greedy uh, uh, extortion of one another. And, and Ezra says, we got to fast and pray. We're already deteriorating again. And he fasts and pray. And by the way, this should be the most, this should be the most illuminating. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. And he was the son of God. And I, all I have to say is this. If Jesus could have done what he did without fasting and prayer, why did he fast and pray? The answer is he couldn't. He knew he needed spiritual power to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to raise the dead. And I, I wanna be like that. I wanna be that kind of church that goes after God. I am not interested in being just cool church with a big crowd or many locations. I want us at all locations to be a church that goes after God. Because no one that comes into our building really gives a rip about who I am. No one. They come into our buildings because they need God. And, and woe to us if we offer all kinds of religious exercises and all kinds of religious paraphernalia, but we don't give them the one who has life in himself for them. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 17, finishing off that passage we read earlier, he says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. In other words, don't look like you're fasting. This is, this, just look normal that your fasting may not be seen by others, and your father who is in secret, but your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will what? He'll reward you. Okay, that's my biblical motivation for fasting. Let me give you some medical motivation for fasting. Fasting has been medically proven to cleanse and purify the body. Some of you need a detox. You don't even realize you need a detox, you need a detox. Some of your ailments, some of your joints, some of the things, there's stuff, there's cells, there's dead cells that are stuck. Some of you don't even realize. There's dead cells that are stuck up in your joints and that's why you can't bend your knee and that's why you can't walk straight. And that's why you got back problems. That's why you got hip problems. And you need those dead cells excoriated from your body. How do you do it? Fasting. This is medically proven. Tests have shown that at 24 hours into a fast, something called autophagy starts to take place in your body. Autophagy is when the body naturally detoxes and clears out dead and damaged cells and starts to create new ones. You wanna feel younger? Fast and pray. Isn't it amazing that God actually does have the true fountain of youth in the Bible? 
fast, I pray. You want new cells? You want a better um, uh, spirit, more energy? Fast and pray. Now, let me, just, let me just be real honest with you. The first two days are absolute hell. <laughs> so get ready for it. Like I said, by this time tomorrow, you're gonna wanna quit. No, 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 press on. Your body, oh, and if you get headaches, that's a good sign. And do this for me. I'm doing it this time. No, ca no caffeine. No caffeine. Oh, I just lost some of you, didn't I? I, I want you to lay off the caffeine and it's gonna hurt like nothing. I'm telling you, it's gonna, your, br your brain is gonna be screaming at you, saying, get me my mocha cappuccino. But no, say no, because the detoxification process will not work as, as effectively. So that's physical, uh, physical motivation. Don Colbert, he's a medical doctor who wrote a book called Toxic Relief. He has a chapter called Finding Healing Through Fasting, and he wrote this, fasting not only prevents sickness, if done correctly, fasting holds amazing healing benefits for those who suffer from illness and disease, and it can even heal Alzheimer's in some cases. They have found that out. From colds and flu to heart disease, fasting is the body's key to healing. So are you motivated to do this or what? Let's do it, but we're not, now, it's not about the physical, but, but it is about the physical with the spiritual. God wants every member of Waters Church to be healthy in mind, body, heart, and spirit so that we can love him with all of our heart, mind, body, and spirit. Paul says this, and I close with it, Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If you do this and you're not conformed, verse two, to this world, but transformed through the renewal of your mind, you will be able to test and discern what the will of God is. Some of you don't know where to go in life. Fast and pray. Some of you, you got, your marriage is on the rocks. Fast and pray. Some of you have got a child that has been wandering for years. Fast and pray. You might want to go longer than three days. You might want to come to first Wednesday, still fasting. And I encourage that because some of these demons are that strong and you can't afford, you can't fight this spiritual devil with the weapons of this world. You got to give your body, your heart, your mind to God. And we're going to take ground. I am so excited. We're going to take ground in the spiritual realm in this church. And this church is going to go to another level we've never seen before in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen at all locations? Amen.